Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Yeah, that's his story. He's sticking to it, too. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios <laughs> of OutlawRadioLive.com, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area. The following program is produced in a haphazard manner by <laughs> Magic Matt Allen. A radio icon. Yes. Great thing about a radio icon is you can't see him, so you can't worship him. (laughs) Serious radio. Listen to him all the time on Saturdays at 7. They're like living in the past with Jethro Tull. All all those 70s. Yeah. It's amazing. I remember Jethro Tull. (laughs) He was a great guy. Yeah. He could really play that flute. Yeah. What stands on one leg and brings you to your feet? (laughs) (laughs) Jethro Tull. <laughs> That's what the ads I did for Jethro Tull. <laughs> Welcome to True Crime Uncensored, the standard of a beleaguered and tempest-tossed true crime industry. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker, and welcoming Frank C. Gerardo Jr. Or we can just call him Frank for short. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. He's a he's a wise choice to join us on the True Crime crew because, well, he's young, good-looking, wealthy. He's not going to drop dead on us in the next two well, weeks. Well, I was going to warn him. <laughs> they, they, we, we've had two co-hosts on this show who have gone to that great broadcast facility beyond the beyond. <clears throat> yes, and, and I see that staring me 20, in the face. 20, uh, 2019 is a rough year. I just had a, I had a friend, a really good friend, who just died this week. You know, Got a lot of nerve doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was sad and tragic because it was just, you know, out of the blue. You know what's kind of embarrassing for me is I had a very dear friend named Richard Mack. Richard Mack was the uh, uh, national secretary for, like, the Radio Broadcasting Association. Or they call that thing, you know, criminals. <laughs> uh, and uh, I called his house around Christmas time to say I was coming to Seattle. I wanted to visit with him. So, uh, hi, this is Richard Mack. I can't take the phone right now, blah, blah, blah. So I leave the mic. Richard, so glad you're still alive. I'm coming up there. Get a call back from his wife. Oh. Uh, no, Richard's not still alive. I just haven't taken his voice off the answering oh. machine. Oops. Sorry about that. Eh. You know, what's really embarrassing is when someone's passed away and you forget they have. Uh, I, I, and, and <laughs> <laughs> you wonder why they haven't called. You're really pissed <laughs> off. That could only happen to you, Burl. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad as hell. Yeah. He hasn't called me in a year. You know what it is, though, is that... That you're the kind of guy that people will forgive you for that because they know that's you. Yes. As Matt Allen says, I'm damaged in shipping and handling. <laughs> My contents have settled. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that, that uh, I was very concerned about. Not that I was going to become a criminal because of a show. That already happened. I had, you know, this, this heart surgery. Right. I can show. I have a scar. Like I had an so autopsy. I can see it there. <clears throat> yeah, he's a zipper chest. You're yeah. showing it off. Showing it off. And uh, I have a fear of general anesthetic, not just because I don't like the military, but you know, overall, general anesthetics scare me because I've known people who go in and have the surgery and never come and, back. And, and their memory is where their hard drive is wiped. Right. Happened to my mom. She calls me up from the hospital. Burl, this is your mama. But I got bad news. Your mama's not your mama anymore. So what are you talking about? He says, I've not only lost my marbles or rolling down the street. <laughs> I said, okay, Mom, I'll take your word for it. So I mean, we wanted to take her to the doctor. They gave her all these tests. So we wanted to see if, you know, how compass mentis her mentis was. And the doctor says to my mom, Mrs. Bear, who am I? She says, if you don't know who you are, I'm in the wrong building. <laughs> Sure, Burl. Yeah, that was a good answer. That's tell them, Mom. Uh, but anyway, I came out of the uh, surgery, and sure enough, part of my hard drive has been wiped. Wow. And uh, every password for every site. You can't remember. Not a single one. Jeez, that's terrible. Especially if I make a new password well, today, and I can't remember it five minutes later. No, no, that's not good. No. Well, Burl, you should post them on your Facebook page. There you go. Oh, yeah. These are all my that, passwords. Here's a, my pin the, to my my bank account. Oh, love this. True crime? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is true crime. While I'm in the hospital, yeah. heavily sedated on a wonderful combination of morphine and fentanyl, 
Uh-huh. This is Henry Mayo. What can we do to make you more comfortable? Uh, how's the morphine and fentanyl? <laughs> Fine, no problem. Coming right up. Because they'd already, in the space of 24 hours, I go in there, they're going to give me emergency heart surgery. Because they can't because I already have pneumonia and blood poisoning. Uh. <laughs> so, so like a week you know, before they can get around to it. Uh, while I'm sedated... You're, you know, you're like a, a, a 60-year-old rock star. <laughs> <laughs> what he is, is, you know, is, I is mean, an enigma of science. An enigma of science? Yes, yes cuz you should you should not be breathing. Yes, you well, I try not to. <laughs> I breathe deep Do everything you can room. to make sure that whatever you're breathing isn't quite air. So I go into yes, I go into the <laughs> hospital on the 3rd of May. On the 8th of May, there's bank fraud on my account. Oh yeah. And uh that's because you post on the on Facebook that you're in the hospital. But I find that <laughs> fascinating that someone would try to fra- uh, fraud with somebody that has no money. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. You that's know, not that's, very bright you know, of them. That, that's just that's what I I always say. It's like, hey, you know what? Identity theft. Go right. ahead, take my identity because you can take all the debt. <laughs> yeah, take, take it all. <laughs> and everything else that uh, that ails me in the financial right. world. It's all yeah, on you. It's it's you now. So, I, yeah, so I, I can I, go and be Clark Rockefeller. Yeah, please do. We'll get to him in a minute. So uh, I happened to uh, try to get a chase and, and pay my rent, and my account had been frozen for suspicious activity. Apparently it was sneaking around in the dark. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's the suspicious activity? Oh, this character that you've never heard of just took a bunch of money out of your account. So well, that sounds fraudulent to me because I didn't send it to him. They decide he can keep the money. I said, excuse me, I'm, I was in the hospital this time. I do not know this person. I have no history with this person. I did not authorize this. Yes, but it was properly processed. Well, it's not cheese. What are you talking about? It's properly processed. <laughs> or, you know, someone's hairdo, maybe. He said, no, it was, we traced it back to uh, one of your devices. And, well, either your investigator is incompetent or you're lying because the device I use, which is my phone, when I hit the pavement and collapsed at CalArts, so did the phone, which broke and has been off and damaged and not usable ever since the 3rd. And you say it was used on the 8th to make these payments to this guy? Impossible. Three times they did an investigation, they said, and three times they decided, no, this wasn't fraud. You, you will gleefully allow this person to take your money. So now I get my lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's, it's an interesting thing. I found out that I'm not the only person that, that week to have their account violated in the exact same manner. Is this like PayPal or is this the actual bank? This is the actual bank. This is Chase Fraud. And uh, NBC did an entire news segment of the tens of thousands of people who had their account violated. Yeah, so I, I think the banks make their money off the low end of the economic yeah, uh, scale, yeah. right? Absolutely. They... they you know, the fees that they charge. $34 for returning it or $34 for not returning it. <laughs> I mean, right, whatever, whichever way they go, they're making 34 bucks, And they're, and on the other side, they're going to make money on it, too. It, it's, uh, you know, and it's not just, like, the return check. It's, like, every little thing that they charge you to do. If you, you know, if you need to, say, do a withdrawal at your ATM, right? And there's not a chase within three miles of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, $2.80. Right. And then, you know, if you oh, use Don't your, dare check your balance at one of those cash machines. Because they'll charge you in both directions. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, if you know, if you go use your ATM card at a, at a shady gas station. Uh, and the Armenian mob gets your, uh, you know, access to your account. Chase is not just going to, like, turn over and give you your money back. I noticed it, that. And, and, uh, I, I begged, I pleaded. Yeah, it, they don't they, care because they've already made their money on it. Uh, hmm. This, this is this is really their scam. They uh, they live off fee income. Yep, that's yeah. Because the the traditional uh, fiduciary secondary fiduciary market, which banks, savings and loans, insurance companies belong to, is the margin between what they pay and what they lend, what they get lend. Right. Yeah. It's right. shrunk. Yeah. Yeah. And that margin is very tiny. Yeah. And so the only way to actually generate income is to charge exorbitant credit card fees uh, and large fees for other activity. The ATM fee is the only one I can excuse, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I did. I was with the banking industry for almost 25 years: Home Savings, Great Western, Chase. 
um, on the IT side. And what happens, there isn't, it, it's, too, it's not cost effective for an, an individual institution to support a communications infrastructure that connects to every ATM in the world. Sure. All right. That makes sense. So there, is, there are a, a couple of companies, Star. Remember there mm -hmm. used to be that little Star? Yeah, on right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah star. well, you know, the company is still or there. Or Cirrus or what? There was, there's several of them. Right. right. And so what would happen is that those companies would set up processing centers around the world. And then you would, you would allow all of your ATM transactions to go through their network. And if it was an in-network transaction, there was no charge. But if you, if it was an out-of-market transaction, my Chase card at a Bank of America, then Bank of America has to pay a fee to this exchange, and Chase has to pay, pay a, a fee. fee. To you pay them both, right? And so, why couldn't I have come up with this scam? Well, I, it's too ethical. Yeah. <laughs> if you're the if you're the exchange, the middle person, how much money have you spent on buildings and network Ma yeah, infrastructure? Yeah, maintaining that infrastructure. It's, right. Yeah. So they have a right to make a living. But, it, but then, so that that charge gets passed on to us. Yeah. And then that's okay. But when the banks start adding on for the convenience of it. It becomes That's where I have a problem. Yeah. Well, and the, so the way to beat them. So is, the three dollar charge to make a transaction yeah. that costs the maybe a dollar and a quarter so at most. You got to play the game to beat them. That's what I say, right? Beat these bastards. Okay. One. Well, I I take your money yeah. out at your bank, always, even if you got to drive a little bit farther. Two, don't don't take checks from Burl. <laughs> ah. um, I just I uh, don't write checks. I just I eliminated all of my debt. I I own everything. Yeah. And I pay That's cash. Best way to go. Best way to go. And I always ask the question. What's the capital <coughs> of Ecuador? No. Do I need it? Do I need it? Good question. Before I purchase. Good question. Oh, that you know, that's that's a very good question to ask. I learned right, years so ago. Did I need this the concept of, of ownership without spending any money? Let's say you want to buy a Lamborghini. Okay. Or let's say you want to buy my brother's Maserati, which I drove for a solid week despite not having any vision in one eye and no driver's license. Your brother's a brave man. Hey, you know, a statute of limitations hasn't run out yet, bro. I have, I have plenty of limitations, but we won't get into that. Uh, what was that? You go to the showroom floor, and you walk over and you touch the car. You sniff the car, you walk around it, and the more you touch that vehicle... The more you claim this kind of like psychological ownership of it, the desire to physically buy it evaporates because you've already incorporated you, it. You've already uh, like been in it and used it and done. Yeah, well, yeah, been there, done that. Incorporated, yeah, and because it's the thing that the brain has a mind of its own. For example, if you drop your keys behind the couch or your girlfriend behind the couch, whatever you drop behind the couch, and you go get a broom to try to get out and you're holding onto that handle, your brain has incorporated that broom handle as part of you which is why when you're driving a car and you drive under a bridge you duck <laughs> I mean, you, you know, logically you don't need to bend your head down when you drive under a bridge but you've incorporated the entire vehicle as part of your body the this is, wow and uh, I'm gonna get a graduate degree in psychology after well, this well see this is the whole thing with the horse and the rider okay you know, people are really great equestrians. They're like one thing, because the horse's brain has incorporated the rider as part of their body, and the rider has incorporated, incorporated the, the horse. horse. Yeah, it's, it's part it's of the horse. And so when you go when when you go to the bathroom, yeah, <laughs> the, 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 you incorporate the stream and the water as part of your body. Uh, okay. Yeah, we've got all that all, all right. figured out. There you go. You're in uh, trouble. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, the brain has a mind of its own. We've got psychology so you, 101 and urology 102 going on. That's right. And uh, Mets 3. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't do well that season. Uh, so I, I've been through a number of banks. Uh, Bank of America, I used to do business with them until I called the state attorney general. <laughs> he said, close your account. I did one of those payday loans, but it was one of those companies that's not authorized to Why operate. Why are you doing this stuff? 
It's, it's like, great it, fun. It, I, I, I mean, <laughs> like the amount of stress that this adds to your life, the payday loans, the extra fees in your bank account. It's like, I mean, it's like this is. I know it's like this is being why by your favorite you've got a zipper on your chest. This is why. This is why. Yeah, because you you get into these situations. This is like these payday loans. Could, could there be anything more stressful than or that? Or predatory? I mean, or I mean, of course they're predatory. I mean, they're horrible. Well, that's, that's why I, I paid attention to the state attorney general. In the state of California, they can't, by law, pull that crap where, oh, let's renew your loan for $50, and you still owe us all that money. They keep trying to take money out of your yeah, bank. Yeah, that's, that's loan sharking. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, that is, that's what loan sharks do. And that's illegal in California. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I, I like my VIG. Huh. Well, who doesn't like their vig? I mean, you, you know, get, take a little vig on that. But but the but you know when when the bank, the place that you trust, yes, is as, is you know acting said, acting acting like Vinny on Mulberry Street <laughs> and and you know and getting a little cut of vig on the side, it you know it's distasteful. Well, the, that's the best the, word uh, I can come up with. Famous classic TV show Maverick. Remember Maverick? Yeah, Yeah, of course. Starring James Garner and John Kelly. Yeah. There's a famous episode called Shady Deal at Sunny Acres. Maverick, playing poker, he wins. Comes out of the uh, tavern, whatever they call those things, saloons, gambling halls, sees a light on at the bank. Goes over and knocks on the door, and the banker is there. He says, I'd like to make a deposit. I know it's late. Nobody, a guy gives me a receipt, and blah, blah, blah. And then, he says, I don't know who you are. When he comes back, that I stay to get the money? He says, I don't have any. You never gave me $15,000. Th- this is an episode of the Rockford Files, too. So he did it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first to set on Maverick, and the guy uh, has this motto, if you can't trust your banker, who can you trust? That, and the answer is, you can't trust, you your, can't banker. trust your banker. You can't did trust Maverick your banker. Did Maverick get his money back? Yes, and how he does it is very clever. He sits in front of, uh, on the street, there, you know, they have these rocking chairs they have in the Old West for people sitting around doing nothing, yeah. whittling. And he tells everybody he's going to get his money back by the end of the week. They say, how are you doing? He goes, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Into town comes his brother, comes uh, Dandy Jim Buckley. All the cast of regulars. Yeah, the whole bunch of corrupt, <laughs> ethical-minded. They uh, even brought Angel Martin over from Yeah, uh, they brought him over and, yeah, <laughs> driving a whole Pontiac. Yeah. <laughs> and they pull a scam on this guy for $15,000. At the end of the week, he's got his money back. That's kind of what I think they're going to do with Chase. I'm working on it. Ah, you're working on it. I'm working on it. Reminds you me just of... Gave them, you just told them what you were going to do. Oh, I already got my lawyer. Oh, okay. My lawyer says, you know, we got all these friends in high places. The thing is, is that they get away with this stuff because they figure you've got no pull anywhere. You have no influence. You can't even get them on the phone. Yeah. You, like, you try calling anybody on the phone anymore. It's next to impossible. No, all I, all, all I get is, uh, you know, the saint sounds. <laughs> you know, if you try calling me, leave a message. The message box is it's full. <laughs> that just shows that I'm cute and popular. No, that just says you're out of your effing mind. <laughs> That's true also. I, I do not give anyone an argument who says that I was nuts. <laughs> but I'm harmless. You're harmless, and that's, oh. why, that's why they take advantage of you. Well, uh, the payday loan people were trying to take advantage of me. They kept taking money out of my account long after they'd been paid back in full. I called the attorney general uh, for the state of California at the time, and he said, oh, those jerks don't even have a license to operate in this state. He says, they keep taking money out of your bank account. He says, close the account immediately and tell them to go. Yeah, know, right. In a Pound up. sand. Yeah. And uh, so I did. And Bank of America was real mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> I said, tough. You know, those people aren't supposed to be doing this. The legitimate ones won't do that to you. You, know, you borrow $200, you got to pay them back yeah, $250. No, do, do you know what? That's the only it. legitimate lender is my mom. Probably. <laughs> what, what's that, what's that biblical phrase? Neither borrower no, nor, nor lender. Be. Be. No, That's I thought right. that was Shakespeare. Yeah, it could be. Could I don't be. know. That was Shakespeare. Well, Shakespeare and the Bible are easy to confuse. Yeah, yeah. people people do. Most people, however, confuse uh, Dante's Inferno right. with the Bible. Do they? Yes, yeah. they seven yeah. deadly sins. Almost all that. And I know a lot of a lot Saint a lot crap. of people confuse Karl Marx with the Gospel. So. Oh, they do. Yeah, <laughs> and Hart Schaffner and Karl Marx, the great suits, <laughs> and their brother Chico, of course. Yeah, right? yeah. 
<laughs> and don't forget Zeppo. Oh, Zeppo, Zeppo, hey, he was the manager. Hey, he was like the Zepp, agent. Zeppo was the smartest guy in the crew. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. He didn't do the work. He just got a percentage. Yeah, that's right. Kind of like our, our buddy uh, Dewey Martin, who since passed away, he was drummer for the Buffalo Springfield. And he was a regular uh, attendee of Matt Allen's Outlaw Radio, which comes on right after this show. And it's a wonderful piece of broadcasting material. Which you should all listen to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, Dewey got into a financial bind many years ago. He goes to Stephen Stills and says, Hey, Steve, I'll sell you all my royalties forever for like 10 grand cash. Wow. And so Steve promptly pays him 10 yeah, grand. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Which, and then, uh, like Dewey's calling him. Going, Dewey, Dewey's royalties are all performance royalties, though, right? Yeah. Because I mean, he didn't have any writing. No. Uh, yeah. There's an old legend that a young fellow went up to uh, P.T. Barnum and said, look, I got this deal. I need some cash. I know you can help me, and I can pay you back in a month. And for whatever reason, Barnum gives him the cash. And it was a large sum of money. Let's just say it was $50,000 at that time. It was huge. All the kid did was walk across the street to the bank, deposit the cash, Kept the interest, gave the money back. Makes sense. It's a good scheme. Yep. Uh, and that and the interest on that in that month was more than enough for him to do whatever it is he needed to do. <laughs> Without, you know, I don't. We don't know if it's true. But I need to lender. find that that lender. And well, there's a, well, we can there's solve there's all of Burl's problems. Yeah, sucker born every minute. There's an ask <laughs> for a receipt. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I had a, I had a friend that they they had the promotional credit card offer. You know, if you spent, if you put five thousand dollars on the car, you'd get a free trip, yeah, a week somewhere. So he just put the five, he just put the five grand in, took the five grand back out, got the free trip. That's what that's that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. Our, our pal Punch, if you go to the archives of this great and wonderful radio show, and you'll look uh, under financial scams, and uh, Punch, uh, even when Punch was doing the. Financial scams is what he turned the victimless variety. He would have, make his own American Express card, <laughs> working in conjunction with a bank in uh, Hong Kong or something, was it on it? Right. And he would take his own money and deposit it in this account. So it looked like it had. Uh, so it's got a like one hundred fifty thousand right. dollars in it. And uh, so, and he's using a name. He's not using someone else's account or someone else's yeah, money. It's just, just a, a name. name that he made up. Well, he usually was using, uh, uh, was it I am paying the, uh, the architect? Oh, yeah. okay. Like a real person. A real person's name, yeah. but he's not using their account or right. their money. Yeah, it's his account, it's psychological, his Psychological, right. just think of a name, familiar sounding name. Uh-huh. And uh, then he'd, he'd go to into a store and he'd spend more than $150,000. And he'd call up American and go, I, I deserve more credit, you know, give me more, you know, more room on the card or whatever. And he'd go, okay, okay. And uh, it's just a weak spending spree. The, uh, the you know the people have insurance for that. So basically, the insurance company. So gets what through. happens to his hundred fifty thousand dollars? It's his own money. If he wants to spend his own money, he can. But he spends more than that. No, but so he, okay. So, so basically, he puts one hundred fifty and gets three hundred out in various items. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the insurance company discount covers shopping. It. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and everyone, it's one of these crimes where just about everybody's in on it. There was a a group of guys that uh, we're running a scam through the credit card companies. Let's say I go into it. It was Harry, uh, it was Ben Bridge Jewelers hired our friend Fred Wolfson to solve this problem, get to the bottom of what's going on here. Uh, go in and you buy a bunch of jewelry. You know, they always call me to get a code, you know, for right. the credit card. Get the code, everything's fine. But at the end of the month, that transaction's kicked back by the credit card company. No, we don't know what this is. Yeah, we don't know what this is. With billions of dollars. Yeah, I don't think... So now I think the system is so tight that you could probably never do those sorts of things. Well, they had people working inside. To, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, people inside. That's right. You always forget about the people on the inside. Yeah, it's like the Department of Motor Vehicles exists to provide fake you know, IDs. I, I, I mean, I never got a fake ID from them, but uh, one time I was able to get something from them with just a simple dozen donuts. Wow. What and the it? lady told me, like, I went up, I, I can't remember, I, you know, it had something to do with my ID. So, go, you know, stand in line for a couple hours, get to the window. Lady says, I've got a problem, you know, you've got this, 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 and this. 
But for a dozen donuts. If you bring me a dozen donuts from she gave me the name of the donut shop, I'll make sure you're back in line, first in line, come to me, give me the donuts. Go there and take your picture and we'll get your ID kicked out. Like on the, the blacklist, that great TV show. I don't know if you ever watched it or not. I love the show. Yeah. I love this show. One of the characters, a real character, he's the guy who works at the DMV. When the big master criminal wants something done, where does he go? DMV. DMV. <laughs> and that's the way it is in real life. You know, because we've had Punch on the show several times. We said, how is that? And he just laughs. He said, criminals know what they're doing. You know, I mean, like, right. Yeah. Then, well, let's get a guy in the DMV. That's where we'll get our fake IDs from. You, you put somebody on the inside, that's uh -huh. your guy, right? That's your guy. That's, I mean, the premise of all all bad... Bad acts. Yeah, right. <laughs> Start on the on the inside with a supposed good guy. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like with uh, when they did their... Uh, the book is coming soon, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Where are you in the process with that? Uh, there's a th three book, which that makes it a yeah, trilogy. Right. Yeah, trilogy. Yeah. The first one's called... Called The Hobbit. Yeah, and then, then The Twin Towers. <laughs> right. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. That's all right. Uh, what is the first one? Okay, it's the sorry. American Panther trilogy. Okay. First one is called Stealing Manhattan. Stealing Manhattan, which I've read part of. Yes. You Brilliant. get to read the other one. You, you like it? I love it. It moves fast. Yeah. I, I love it. Good. See, he's he's no, he's a journalist. He's, he's a writer. He knows his stuff. Mm. It does move fast because I wanted it to be easy to read and fun to read. Breezy. Breeze. That's the word, all right. Full of hot air. <laughs> you can uh, you can put uh, quotation marks on the other side of that and put my name under it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll digress if I even start thinking. Okay. I'm going to stop right. thinking. All right. So, so the first one is first called one, Stealing Manhattan. And called Stealing Manhattan. Right. And that covers from uh, his father, the world's greatest gentleman right. thief, who never got caught, never went to prison, got away with everything. And uh, covers up to 1996, I believe, when... Punches out of prison. So, okay, so let me ask you about his dad. Yeah. So who was protecting his dad? Okay. Now, you got to realize how corrupt New York... I, by the way, just came back from there. It still is. Yeah. Okay, you got the NYPD, which is simply I, I, a big the, gang in New York. As we know. <laughs> yeah. You and I know well. By the yeah. way, yeah, we know that. If, and if you want to know how we know, read... The Trail in Blue. Thank you. The shocking memoir of the <laughs> heinous whatever. Ten-year-old, the second yeah. most dirty yeah, cop yeah. in New York. History. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, the cops came to shake down Mr. Stan, not knowing he had anything to do with what was the Biscay Museum heist. Right. They had heard a rumor from one of the guys that they temporarily had their hands on from a, uh, a big heist in the Diamond District that maybe this Mr. Stan guy was somehow involved, but there was no nothing to link him to anything. This is rumor. So they go to his apartment, and they try to shake him down for 6000 cash to leave him alone. Well, he knows damn well that if he gives him 6000 cash... They'll be back next they'll week They'll be back. Yeah. And so I said, I'm awfully sorry, gentlemen. I don't have the 6000 cash. Is there anything around here you'd like? And he's got this place. It's like a museum. I mean, he's got fast work and oh, yeah. things worth a fortune. Two vans filled with this stuff, over a million dollars. This is 1970 something. Right. Yeah, 70, 71. And that was his victory. Was letting him take all that stuff, because no mafia family would ever sanction that. If the, if the cops who were tied in with the, the families right. said, we're going to go shake down Mr. Stan, they go, oh, no, and don't, no, no, not him. You know, we, we admire him, we like him, right. yeah, yeah, you know, we protect him. But what happened? So, but taking all that stuff, word traveled fast. From the, after that, he was protected. Even the chief of police would come over and buy him drinks and say, now remember, Stan, the guys in your crew... You all got to have real jobs too, you know. They can't just be, uh, you know, robbing. Uh... See, this is great. This is great stuff, because this just shows. I mean, this is the inner working of, you know, high-end criminality. Well, think about being, of all the criminals and all the crimes one can commit, there is a hierarchy, of what is admired in the criminal world and what is despised. Yes. At the very top, is the highly sophisticated diamond heist mastermind, who makes a fortune. No one ever gets hurt. There's no violence. Yeah, I don't know. That guy probably gets his ass kicked in prison. 
I, I yeah. mean, he probably does. Uh, and at the very bottom is Michael Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, allegedly. Although yeah. he's dead. We don't even have to say no, that. We don't have to say allegedly. Yeah. yeah. You can say anything about him if he's dead. Yeah. What's the guy who wrote the book about Elvis? Yeah. <laughs> after he died. Yeah. Wait, he was an agent for the Kremlin. Who knows? <laughs> you can say anything you want. Uh, <laughs> it was so corrupt that he was protected, but his son wasn't. When uh, Punch was arrested using the name Randy Gerber. <laughs> Punch doesn't look anything like a Randy Gerber. No, he doesn't. No. No, 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 it was the other guy, he was using the name Paul Montana. Uh, because it looks a little bit like Paul Montana. Yeah, I mean, hey, Paul Montana. You know. yeah. I mean, you could be Joe Montana or Tony Montana. You could be the world's greatest quarterback or the <laughs> world's greatest Coke seller. Uh, yeah. Right? Let's say hello to my, my little friend. <laughs> Classic stuff. Yep. I'm going to change the other guy in the bathroom. Oh. I, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, Brian De Palma... Yes. Was you know known for those kind of films like the the snuff sort yeah. of film, uh, it, uh, but the uh, the one with Michael Caine. Oh yeah, yeah. the cross dressing. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, I mean, he was known for that kind of movie. I you know, he, and and teaming up Brian De Palma with uh, oh god, who Al Pacino? That? Well, Al Pacino, but then the the writer of the movie. Um, oh, man. What else did he write? We'll figure it out. Well, he wrote Platoon. He's the... Oh, uh, oh you're talking about yeah. um, the uh, world's greatest... Um, great director. No, the, the uh, world's greatest he, he conspiracy also, theorist. Yeah, JFK. Yeah. Um, oh, James Camp, no. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, he listeners. He also did Tarantino's uh, Natural Born Killers. Yes, script. and people are screaming... Oliver Stone. People are screaming at the their iPods right now. <laughs> Oliver Stone! Oliver, Oliver Stone, Stone! What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone wrote Scarface. And uh, it, so you, you take Oliver Stone, pair him with Brian De Palma, and you get, like, what is the classic gangster movie. Yeah. You know, way better than the the, uh, the 1930s. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, of course, in the 30s, they, they had a code that they tried to yeah. live by. yeah. I think you know what though the the original Scarface might be pre-code. Mm, that's a good question. Is that with G. Robinson? Yeah, but that wasn't that Scarface. <laughs> no, I mean, wasn't it P A C E? No, it was no Scarface. Yeah. Scarface. Yeah, Little Rico. Yeah, li yeah, that's right. And he, but you know, it's the same thing. You know, it's the same thing. You have the, uh, you know, the blonde who's you know the bad, the the, the kind of the good girl, but mm. she's the, with the bad guys, and then you have the. You know the dark-haired woman who's the yeah, you know, yeah. The, the good girl, but uh, gone bad because she's you know with Tony's buddy. Great, <clears throat> right? I mean that movie like incorporates all the great themes of cinema. Mm. Oh, Angels yeah. with Dirty Faces is one of my favorites. Yeah. Angels oh, with Dirty that's Faces. That's an Edgar G. Robinson. That's, uh, uh, that's, that's uh, Humphrey think, Bogart, James Cagney, the Dead End Kids. Well, uh, is is Ronald Reagan in that movie too? Don't know. No, he should have <clears throat> been. Who was the priest? <laughs> Who was the priest? Oh, Pat O'Brien. Because it's a it's a Warner Brothers movie. Yes, yeah, Pat O'Brien and James Cagney. Yeah. And then, uh, <coughs> uh, yeah. what's his name? Humphrey Bogart. Right. And I can't remember who the chief is. So basically, they took all the Warner Brothers players, and put them put in them this movie, in, yeah. and, the, and, the, and you know, the Bowery Boys were in that movie. And it worked, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. That's uh, Hunts Hall, Leo Gorsi. Yeah. yeah. The whole the whole group. And they they were notorious uh, for you know pulling pranks on the on the other actors in the films. And I guess they, I guess they gave up. Try to give Cagney a bad time, but Cagney, you know, he could he, he, he right. just get dish it out as much. Yeah. yeah. Bogart, however, was totally intimidated by him. They just stepped to Bogart. But, but yeah, I think Bogart was the his personality was actually the opposite yeah. of what you see on film. Mm -hmm. You know, um, more of a in in a feet sort of tennis playing. Yeah. You know, kind of actor who just happened to become really good at playing bad and, guys. Yeah. Now with the thing where. You can't see me doing it on, on the radio, but it, you know, would yeah. pull the, that was to hold his partial in. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it falls. Uh. See, he's doing that to make Man, sure his teeth sure don't slip out. Mean. Yeah. One of the greatest movies that, t that he's in is this one where he's a he's a guy who escapes from Alcatraz, and you never you never see him. It's oh, called Dark the, Dark yeah, Passage. Yeah. And you know you never see you never see his face. He's, yeah. For the first three quarters of the movie, he escapes from Alcatraz. You never see him. You just see the the entire movie is, uh, you know, point of view through his eyes, and uh, Lauren Bacall's in it, mm -hmm. and so is Agnes Moorhead. I just saw and this movie recently. This is a great movie. 
uh, because when you finally do see him, he's had plastic surgery, and he's now he's Humphrey Bogart. He looks like Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. He gets offered a film deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it completely doesn't look like the criminal guy that they're looking for. And it, it's just it's a fantastic movie. He's put in the Alcatraz for a murder that he didn't commit. That's the worst kind of those murders you don't commit. I mean, Stephen Avery, he's fighting that thing forever. I don't blame him. You know, I've had that prosecutor. We've we'll say we now we have had the prosecutor of the Avery case on here several times. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we were the first first uh, media outlet to have him to, to do it to make a big deal out well, of it. That's why this is a great true crime podcast. Yeah, we're so far ahead of everybody that by the time they catch up with us, they don't care anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> by the time they catch up, we're right behind. Uh, although I disagree with him, is is he he caught the bad prosecutors who screwed the thing up and you know charged Avery. Yeah, and I said, well, wait a second. The second one smells awful to me too. This the second I mean, the whole, this, this, the whole thing stinks. This this county is obviously corrupt. The you know the interrogation of, of Brendan Dassey, uh, the, the nephew of Stephen yeah, Avery, is is horrific. It's horrific to watch simply how they they berate this guy who's you know clearly you know either you know yeah, mentally intellectually challenged, intellectually challenged, or uh, you know or just like so scared he can't mm-hmm. speak, and and uh, you know. To put him in the jackpot like that, uh, I mean, it, now, okay, in all fairness to the family of the victim, uh, what happened to that young woman is terrible. I mean, it's, it's ex- exceedingly disgusting. Someone has to pay. No, the bright person has to pay, not just anybody. You just don't find someone. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, I think that's I think that's right. Uh, you know, the, Avery just lost a uh, an appeal. Yeah. yeah, just in the last week. Um do you ever? Do any of you remember uh, a, a crime drama with Andre Andre Brower, um, Life on the Streets? I think it was Baltimore. S- sounds good. Oh, Baltimore, Homicide. Life on the Homicide. 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 Life on the, Life on the, on the Streets. Street. That's a David Simon. Who there was a, later did The Wire. There was an episode where the other detectives uh, think they've caught the young person responsible for the crime. Andre Brower knows the kid is it completely innocent and didn't do it. And he says, <clears throat> you want a confession? I'll be right back. And then the next 15 minutes, you listen to him browbeat this kid into a confession. He walks out and says, you got your confession. Now go find the real killer. Huh. Yeah, but there's once they have that confession... In, no, they went out and found the real killer. In this right? county that we're but sitting that, in right now alone, a thousand, one thousand... False confessions. Oh, the, I mean, the, this is you know this is the great true crime story of you know the 2020s, right? Are the the number of exonerations that are going to happen from the innocence projects around the country? Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that stuff's exploding. I see them. I, I know. I see the posts. You know, on MS, on uh, whatever MSN or CNN or whatever it is that I get the news feeds right. that flash by. Yeah, the, I mean, the innocence project is. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean they're they're. Fighting for you know legitimate cases where you know somebody was you know sentenced innocent. and and they were innocent and you know and either it's because of a you know a, a coerced conve- confession um, or you know prosecutor hiding exculpatory evidence, evidence yeah. you know which right. they do a lot. Oh, that's what's um, so aggravating. There is a uh, like a, a rating system for prosecutorial misconduct really? by state, and you can look up and see how does my state rate. In terms of the integrity and honesty of the prosecutor's Wow, what, what, do you know what this website is? This is called crookedprosecutor.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, just look up prosecutorial misconduct yeah. by state. And California does not look good. No, no. I oh. mean, there, you know, there's a book out right now. It'd be interesting to get this guy on. He, um, he it's called, uh, it's, a, it's a book about the Manson case. Mm-hmm. And basically, the beginning of the book is the guy talking to Vincent Bugliosi. And accusing him of prosecutorial misconduct. Oh yeah, it's a goodbye, Helder Skelter. It, it, but no, it's it's something that's actually called something else. It's uh, like, you know, by Manson, Daniel the Simone. CIA, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it, 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 all this stuff. But but essentially, uh, the premise of the book is that if you unraveled all the prosecutorial misconduct that Bugliosi was involved in during the course of prosecuting the Manson and the family that you would have to undo all those convictions. Oh, yeah. That's not to say that they didn't do it. 
No, but the, it, it, but but the way that they were convicted of, uh, you know, the methods that were used, the fact that exculpatory evidence may have been hidden, mm -hmm. the fact that witnesses were obviously lying to, it, it, what it what it, essentially what it boils down to, and this is probably in most of these cases, is that the prosecution develops a narrative, mm -hmm. that you know that they want to explain the crime with their narrative. Right. So what they do is rather than you know go and find facts to fit the case they just throw in stuff that fits the narrative yeah and then and of course and if you I mean, tug at that like fabric story? long enough you tug at that fabric it unravels yeah but no one has the time or the intention of unraveling it no i mean unless it's 10 years later and you're writing a book about it yeah but even then sometimes you just kind of you know you kind of buy it outright i mean you know as a journalist when you're in a courtroom covering a trial and you're under deadline pressure to you know file a story you're far more likely to be a stenographer, mm -hmm. you know, than you are to be somebody who's actually, you know, calling into question whatever the prosecution's theory is or whatever testimony is being presented. And actually, the courts make it really hard to do a lot of that stuff because they'll, you know, they'll slap gag orders on cases. Mm -hmm. They'll tell witnesses that they can't talk to reporters. Uh, oh, it's yeah, a really it, weird I mean, stuff, too. Yeah. You know. I mean, I run into that. I'm sure you have, too. You try to get the police reports that varies by state. In Kansas, under the Freedom of Information Act, if you want to get the police reports, all you get is the cover sheet. No information. Anything beyond that, you have to get in the good graces of the local chief of police. Yeah, but you know, Burl, this is America, land of the free, home of the brave. This is a place <laughs> where, you know... Everything's transparent. Everything's transparent. <laughs> Our government is perfectly pure as the driven snow. Yeah, I've ever driven in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I peed in it. Yeah. Uh, the, I'll the, plug one up, you yellow, started with the urology stuff, so there you go. Sorry. I'll plug I'm, one I'm of my I really books apologize there. for being so crude. Uh, Headshot by Burl Bear. Headshot it's by Burl Bear. I've read that. I've seen it, maybe. And I'm that's sure. one where what I found fascinating about the case is that the prosecution of the case was as insane as the case itself. This is Now, this is a Washington State case, right? Yeah. yeah. Tacoma. Uh, Tacoma, Tacoma Washington. Washington. When I went to the state Supreme Court, uh, their, you know, where they stash everything, and this was so much paperwork on this because they kept having these mistrials, and judges would throw fits in the courtroom. One goes, this case is giving me excedrin headache number 852, <laughs> and I can't take it anymore. And it gets up and storms out of the courtroom, another one down, and, and the prosecutorial misconduct was just beyond the beyond. And it continued for years. The defense attorney got so pissed, he ran against the prosecutor that, in the next election and won. <laughs> based largely on that case, right? Yeah. And then, on appeal, his office had to fight his own victory. <laughs> you, you, that's, you know, uh, um, huh, that's interesting. That's a great story. That's a really great story. It's very strange. I, 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 but just that part of it alone. I mean, here, you, you know, you go to... You, essentially, you're Don Quixote. You go to battle with the windmill, and you beat the windmill, and now you got to convince everybody <laughs> that you were wrong. Yeah. I was wrong the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Don't believe me. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's uh, a good story. I like that. I like those kind of stories. It's yeah. got a little twist to it. I think it, it went over some people's heads though. What I was trying to do it to show that that this is insane is the, the crime. You were taking a headshot and it went over their heads. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's what the original title of the book was: Head in a Bucket. We don't know what to call it. It's one where the guy is shot in the head, and the guy reasons, well, if they find the body, uh, they'll find the bullet in the head, and they'll take out the bullet, and they'll figure it came from my gun, and I'll get arrested. Throw the gun away? No. Take the guy's head off. Take the guy's head off and put it in a bucket of concrete and throw it in the Puyallup River. Of course, concrete preserved everything perfectly. Uh, when the cops find out about this, they drain the river, drag the river, get the concrete bucket with a head in it, and take out the head and put it on the body and discover the guy didn't die from being shot in the head. The he, bullet went through the cheek, broke his jaw, and knocked died, it out. Died from having his head cut off. Close. When they went to bury him, he came to. Oh, yeah. And all they really had to do was take him down to the hospital. They would have wired his jaw. Right. Well, they'd already committed to burying him, so, I mean, they're already up there. So he was stabbed 17 times. And that's why he died. After, Idiots. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, but, you know, so, we're talking about criminals. Yeah, I, it, it, the dumb, some of the dumbest people on earth. 
The one I liked, I was, I was in Palm Springs, California. You've heard of it, a lovely little resort I, community. You know what? I have a really good friend that lives in Palm Springs. Shout out to Randy and Rosemary Economy. So there I am, minding my own business. Yeah, I like Walking story. down Palm Canyon Boulevard towards my car, which it's is... very difficult for a, a young, good-looking man such as yourself yeah, to I know, walk yeah. down Palm Canyon Boulevard but yeah, without and be being minding your own business. Yeah, because they sneak up on you from behind. So there I was, minding my own business. And I go to get in my car just as these three guys come running out of the jewelry store on the corner with their guns. Oh, man. And jump into their car in front of mine. Punching his buddies. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and take off very slowly because it was rush hour traffic on Palm Canyon Boulevard. Oh. So here are these guys trying to make their getaway from robbing a jewelry store. You're going like three miles an hour. <laughs> and I'm behind them. <laughs> On a one-way street, too, because that's a yeah, one-way street. Yeah, one-way yeah. street. So what the cops probably do is they get a helicopter, and they just follow the car all the way back to Los Angeles. And <laughs> then arrested them. But they had planned their crime. They watched the movie uh, City of Industry with Harvey Keitel. Yeah. And they based, they just followed oh, exactly. On that. The, they just did it exactly like they did in the movie. But in the movie, it wasn't rush hour traffic in real life, you know. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. In the so movie, the yeah. things they didn't count on, you know. Yeah, one of, I mean, you, you know, you got you got to actually plan a robbery. Oh uh, come it, on! I mean, it, it punch will tell you. Yes, so it's, it's, but see, this is what a lot of people don't know or don't understand about career criminals. Punch and his father kept it clean in terms of yes, they did planning to a point of perfection and rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. But there's a process called the mounting of criminal pride. The first time you do it, you plan it, you plan it, you plan it. You get the away more you it. do it, the sloppier you get because you begin to think you have some sort of immunity. Yeah, uh, Richard Ramirez. Yeah. Yeah, believed that he had Satan's cloak, you know. Really? So, so, so I mean, so <laughs> Who's I, underwear? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, and um, walking down the street, and I hear this. I realize it's a guy running. And he comes, he's running down, you know how there's streets there, really huh. narrow, it's an old, old town, guy's running, can hear him, and then, boom, runs right by me. He's shirtless, no shoes, just wearing a pair of jeans, and <laughs> there's about five cops running behind him with their billy clubs. Oh. <laughs> They're all chasing behind him. And the guy turns around, you ain't going to catch me, you fucking coppers. <laughs> boom, 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 just keeps running, right? And they're like, stop, stop. He turns around again, I told you, you ain't going to catch me, you fucking coppers. <laughs> Best police chase I've ever seen. Yeah. It, and, and right there, I mean, the guy came right, running right by me. It was, it was just Did he get away? I mean, he told the cop as they weren't going to yeah, catch yeah, him. Yeah, 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 he gets hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could have been. Hey, Ma, it, I'm on the top, top of, the of the world, Ma. <laughs> white heat. Oh, that's, that's uh, Joe, uh, what's his name? Uh, James Cagney, white yeah. heat. White heat. Yeah. White heat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this And uh, Edmund O'Brien. Another, yeah. see, another Warner Brothers. Yeah, that's a great film. I mean, you know, the Warner Brothers uh, made great, great B-roll type mm -hmm. movies or B-movies, uh, in yeah. the late 30s and the... You know, I wonder how many times Pat O'Brien played a priest. Well, I mean, with a name like Pat O'Brien... What, <laughs> what else is he going to play? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to play Genghis Khan. No, he's going he's to play uh, a rabbi. That's not a bad idea. After all, right. Danny Thomas did a version of the jazz singer. Did he? Yeah, he you know, did the Al Jolson yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, role. And really? It was later done by Jerry Lewis. Yarmulke and all. Yeah, and uh, he's not Jewish. Uh, no, yeah, but he has a, he's Semitic. He's got, okay. Yeah, he's, he's a semi. Yeah. We didn't want you to see them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my brother's on a... We told this story a few weeks ago. I just was with my brother. Uh, he's on a plane with some guy. You know, they're flying somewhere, and the guy starts launching in about the international Jewish conspiracy, and the damn Jews are coming to do... My brother's listening to all this crap. The guy's going on and on. My brother's doodling something the whole time. They're, yeah, the Jews are coming, and they're going to kill everybody, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. The guy finally runs out of gas, and my brother said, Hey, you got nothing to worry about. He says, Why not? When they come for you, just show them this. And he hands it to him. It's a star of David. It's a star of David with a note that says, This guy's okay. He's with me. Signed Stan. That's funny. <laughs> the other one I like is uh, that's my, awesome. my brother's getting ready to go back to Washington, D.C. to plead some case or something on international trade, and the client says to him, the only thing I'm worried about, Stan, is you to get back there in Washington, D.C. 
And some smart-ass Jew boy lawyer is going to screw the whole thing up. Because <laughs> the guy reaches for the door handle, my brother says, I wouldn't worry about that if I were you. Said, Why not? Well, my mom says I'm the smartest Jew boy lawyer she knows. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's blood Boom. drains from hey, his so face. Thank you so much for that, though, that, that yeah. plan. The, you know, that, that level of anti-Semitism is coming back. Oh, yes, because it's getting a new popularity. It, it really is. I, I, back in the, in the hey, 80s. I can't stand Jews. But that's because you look in the mirror, take one look, and you're disgusted. Yes, that's, that's, that, that's a psychological thing. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I, and I have so many Jews in my future. With the holidays coming up. <laughs> I got all of you. Yeah, that's right. The Not in your future up. and in your kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. How how long till Rosh Hashanah? It's the thirtieth. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, you're not too far off. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, Rashi is thirtieth, I believe. Well, how about that? That would be the thirtieth of September, twenty nineteen. Yeah. Right. Because people remember. might be listening to this, you know, in the future. That's right. Ooh. Days of future past. Future. <laughs> we know how to time travel on this show. Yeah, so we want to make sure that uh, we, they recognize. I wouldn't be surprised, Burl, if in, in a psychotic fit you opened a wormhole. Yes, I travel. remember her. <laughs> oh, that was a rough night, Burl. What? <laughs> Reminds me of the late great Howard Lapidus' story about China the wrestler. Oh. Yeah. He, he, had, can you, can he, you tell visit, story? he had a visit to China. Yeah. Oh, oh. Did he? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's a scary story. Uh, she was a scary looking person. She had a jaw. She had a. Yeah, you know, she had, I mean, but she was very mad. I mean, like, her, she had big, you know, muscles. biceps and. Yeah. You know. She was a. She was big boned. She was. Yeah, she was. <laughs> big boned. <laughs> Quite often. What got me is Rick the Model Martell. And uh, sensational Sherry, the on WWE. They were brother and sister, but on TV they were supposed to like be having this. Problem. Oh, really? Yeah, but they were brother. That's, that's and, kind of I mean, you know, there's a theory that uh, that Donald Trump's whole shtick is taken from the WWE playbook. Yeah, a lot of it is it, very similar. You know, the you know the the concept of the heel. Yeah. Uh, you know the concept of you know of like shouting out and. Uh, Making making Talib hate Jews, all that stuff. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's people that believe this, that this is actually his his plan. You know, you you think about like because uh, Talib wouldn't have hated Jews without Donald Trump. Well, that's, that's, right. Oh, of course not. <laughs> well, well, and the the rest of the three, the squad, the squad, the squad. They don't actually yeah. hate Jews. The squad. Mad at Israel. The squad. Big difference. The squad. We yeah, the squad. The squad. The, the, but right, I mean, they're you know you think about them, they're like the NWO. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. As, as opposed to NWA, as opposed to the NWA, right? Yeah. The NWO, the NWO. Yeah, right. The New World Order with uh, Don't the, forget uh, about the EIEIO. Oh. That's right. <laughs> no, and that's on not. That farm there was uh, <laughs> EIEI. It was interesting. Oh. We had Joe Bruno on, the New York journalist who wrote the book "Fake News: Trump's uh, Battle Against the uh, Whatever." I asked him for the best example of fake news recently, and what it was was all those fake stories that you get about what's her name, Cortez. Oh, yeah. 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 But she said this. She said things she never said. Yeah. I said, it's well, what's the fake. story behind that? He said, oh, real simple. This is standard procedure. She's smart. She's charismatic. She's not she smart. She's not charismatic. She and she's on, and she's on videotape saying the stupidest things ever uttered by a human being. Go what look up and see if she actually ever what? said them. I, not, wait, wait. Maybe she's not the on, stupidest thing. She's on videotape saying them. In fact, I'm going to play one upcoming on Outlaw Please Radio do. as you say goodbye. All right. Hey, bye. bye. Hey, thanks for having What's me next? on. I'll be back. will be back next week. Yes, I will. <laughs> All right. Mazel Thank tov. you, ladies and gentlemen.